Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. How are you supposed to preach after that? Goodness. I miss Southcrest. I miss you all very much. If you're new, you're like, who's this guy and why does he miss us? <laughs> um, like David said, I was on staff here for six years and got to learn from Dr. Jerry Newman. And for a little while, I even got to work with Danny Henderson in the family ministry. And uh, I loved, loved my time here. Didn't realize how great we had it. <laughs> uh, my kids got to be a part of Southcrest Christian School. Now my kids are homeschooled, and um, yeah, we, we, we really miss Southcrest, miss being with you guys, but the call of God is uh, you no know, more important than what's most comfortable and convenient, and uh, you know, maybe if our story could help nudge you out of your comfort zone, uh, we're willing to share it over and over again. Um, the last two and a half years have been really fun. We moved to San Diego, fall 20, 2019, started meeting with a few people in our home, and God just started bringing people to us, and all of our neighbors didn't know Jesus, every single one of them. And in the last two and a half years, we have seen one of our neighbors come to know Jesus. Her name is Jessica. And uh, yeah, you can clap for that. We love... We, we, uh, we said before we left that we would be willing to go even if one person had their lives changed. And Jessica was the first, and we got to see lots more people have their lives changed by Jesus too. A lot of people who know the name Jesus, but they have no idea what he's done for them. And so it's been really fun to invite people into our lives and build community. And uh, we thought we were going to be, whenever I first felt called to plant a church, I thought we were going to be gathering people, building the church. You know, I was a worship leader for a long time, and so I thought that planting a church just meant planning a worship service and inviting a bunch of people. And God really changed my view of that before we left. Um, I heard someone say, Jesus never commanded anyone to plant a church. And I was so confused because I thought he was commanding me to plant a church. And then what they said was, Jesus commanded us to make disciples. And the way that he did that was through building meaningful relationships. And so I kind of changed my approach to ministry um, to try to say, you know what, we're just going to follow Jesus and invite people along for the journey and build meaningful relationships just like Jesus did. And uh, the cool thing is when we focused on that over the last two and a half years, we got to see God build his church. You know, Jesus said that. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't be able to stand against it. So we're really honored that we get to just build meaningful relationships, make disciples, raise people up to be leaders. And he builds his church. And so you're a big part of that, Southcrest. Um, but I will also say, it has been really hard. <laughs> Living in new places is really hard. Um, California is kind of crazy. <laughs> But God is good. And, you know, the, the pandemic lasted about six weeks here, but it's still going on over there. There's, we actually just figured out um, that the school where we meet, we meet outside at a school. The school where we meet just let their students stop wearing masks. 
And so praise God, we're going to ask about going inside now that we don't have to wear masks anymore. And um, I'll just say, it's been really fun, and it's been really hard, and we are really tired. <laughs> do, you, do you connect with that at all? Like, life is kind of tiring, isn't it? And I will say, the person who works the hardest in my church is my wife, Amy. And uh, she's the youngest daughter of Brother David, and she homeschools our kids. She pours her life into people and serves people and loves people really well. And I will say, she gets really tired too. And she had an idea for a TV show, actually. And she said, what would be the least offensive crime that a mom could commit so she could go get some sleep in prison? I heard someone say, mom sleep. It's like regular sleep, but without the sleep. <sighs> and it's not just moms, right? We are desperate for rest. And even if you don't feel exhausted like me, do you ever feel restless? And I'll tell you, I feel restless sometimes. And I take a nap. Maybe you need to take a nap. Naps are good for you. Maybe you need to take a whole day. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, the Israelites, they had it. They knew God commanded them, take a day. It was the very first thing he ever commanded them. You know, it was before the Ten Commandments. He, he took a day, right? He modeled rest. At the end of the week, what did God make on the seventh day? I guess rest. Yeah, I was going to say nothing, but I guess he made a day of rest. And so God modeled rest. We need rest. And isn't it more than just physical rest that we need? We need rest for our souls. Because deep down, I think we find ourselves restless, don't we? I love following Jesus because he always shows us the way. He always gives us what we need. And in John, we're going to be in John today, John 14, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's, he's giving them the way. And then the next chapter is where we're going to be in John 15. I want us to work through verses 1 through 11 today, and I think we're really going to find uh, rest for our souls. So John 15, turn there with me. I really like reading the book of John because John himself, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And that sounds kind of arrogant at first, doesn't it? But I don't think it's meant to be arrogant. I think it's meant to be a way that John sees how much Jesus loves him. And that's just what he calls himself. I'm the disciple. Jesus loves me. It's like this deep security. I want to have that. I love that he knew Jesus. And I think that this is going to be a good passage to help us know him too. So John 15, the very first thing it says is, I am the true vine. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Now, when I, when I think vine, I think of like Tarzan swinging in, Phil Collins playing in the background. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a grapevine. Now, I know you all drink wine, and so you're probably well-versed. I'm just kidding. Um, we don't, Baptists don't drink. Come on. But we're, at least you're not supposed to tell people if you do. But <laughs> I don't drink. I don't, don't accuse me. <laughs> it's not talking about a Tarzan vine. It's talking about a grapevine. That's what I'm trying to say here. And so these vines are all connected. These plants are all connected. And so he says, I am the true vine. And then he says, my father is the vine dresser. Now, this is not new language. It's from Isaiah 5, where God is telling his people, hey, I'm about to cut you off, 
And then Jesus kind of says the same thing. He says, verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. This sounds painful, doesn't it? Either way, you're getting cut off or you're getting pruned. So God wants to cut into your, your, your branch. And the cool thing is, the gardener, God, you are not the gardener. God, the gardener, does all the work, not the vine. So in your life and in my life, Jesus does all the heavy lifting. It's not on you. I love that. You know, we set up for church every week, and we bring big stage pieces outside into this courtyard, and they're really heavy. Um, I'm getting older, so they're getting heavier. And every week we're carrying them. And I remember one week, my four-year-old, Luke, he wanted to help with one of these stage pieces. He cannot carry a stage piece. But the funny thing was, he was right there with me. And I was lifting it, and he was holding on to it next to me. And I love that that's just kind of one small picture of how, in this church planting journey, my kids will look back and see they were part of this. But when they grow up, when my son Luke, if he remembers carrying that stage piece, he's going to know, my dad did all the heavy lifting. And that's how it is for you and me. Jesus does the heavy lifting. And the next thing that he says is actually part of that. He says this, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus does the heavy lifting in cleansing you, purifying you. Nothing you've done makes you good enough to have a relationship with God. It's only because of Jesus and his life and his death on the cross that we can have a relationship with God. He says he's speaking to God on our behalf. So verse four, this is what he tells him to do. Abide in me and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. So we don't use that word abide much, do we? Here's what it means. Just stay connected, stay connected. Then he says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. We don't act like that, do we? Sometimes we say, apart from Jesus, we can still do a lot of good stuff. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Last week, the pastor of the largest church in the world resigned in disgrace. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. It doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter what our organization is. It's not about the power of Southcrest. It's about the power of Jesus. My son Luke cannot lift that stage piece without me. I mean, eventually he'll be strong enough, but right now he's not. You can do nothing of spiritual significance without Jesus. You can fake it, but you can do nothing of true spiritual significance without Jesus. Verse 6, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Man, I want that joy. And joy is only one of the fruits that you get whenever you stay connected in your relationship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote a whole list like, hey, this is what happens. If you abide, if you stay connected to Jesus, you get to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can we use some of that in our world today? Could you use some self-control with your mouth, with what you say, maybe with your diet? I know sometimes I could use some self-control. I need it. We need it. And that's only, that's, that's what happens when you abide, you stay connected in Jesus. So here's the whole point. Anything God wants to do through you, he first wants to do in your life. You know, people see these amazing things. When you go out those doors, you're going to see ministries all over the world. And it's amazing to see what God is doing. But every single one of those ministries, if they really are making a difference for the kingdom, it didn't start with all of the outward ministry stuff. It just started with them and God. Because anything God wants to do through you, he first wants to do it in your life. People ask us, what's it like to start something like this, like start a church? And I'm realizing, really, we didn't start anything. God was already working and moving long before we even got to Southern California. And it's been an honor for us to come alongside what he is doing and see his kingdom expand. But we didn't start anything. And if you want to start, if you want to see God move, it starts with you and him. And until you get there, you are disconnected from Jesus. You are disconnected from your purpose. You're disconnected from being used by God. A few months ago, we had our toilet stop up. Come to find out my four-year-old Luke had put a toy lion in the toilet. The plumber came over. He had to remove the toilet to get to it. And right as he was turning the water off to remove the toilet, I was in the shower. I had soap on me from head to toe. Water got cut off. And I was like, oh, no, I've got a meeting I've got to get to. What am I going to do? And so I run all soapy over to my phone. And I call my wife, Amy, and I say, honey, I need your help. And so she brings up this gallon of water and she just dumps it over the shower. And I, it's so cold. I was just tight, freezing cold. If you are trying to live the Christian life disconnected from Jesus, it's like taking a shower, but not turning it on. It's, you're disconnected from the source. You gotta stay connected to Jesus. Anything God wants to do in your life, he first, anything God wants to do through you, he first wants to do it in your life. We want to see God move, but we're not willing 
to connect to him. So I want to ask you, genuinely, do you want to see God work through your life? I mean, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be painful. It talked about pruning. It talked about cutting. But it's going to be worth it. And it's going to feel scary because you will not be the one in control. Jesus does the heavy lifting. There's a lot of ways that you can stay connected to Jesus. Um, In fact, we printed off a, a list of 20 of them for our church because I want people to know it's easy to stay connected to Jesus. Just talk to him. It's called prayer. Just talk, share your heart with God. It's how you connect with him. Go work out and thank God for the strength that he gave you. Go look at the beauty of creation and just enjoy what God made and thank him for it. The best way to stay connected to Jesus, the very, very best way, I do it every single day. You read the Bible and you apply it to your life. Period. It doesn't sound sexy, but I'll tell you, if you want to hear from God, you can hear from God every single day. I get to hear from God every single day. Looking back on the last couple years where I've stayed connected to Jesus, I'm telling you, I've got one quick journaling, the the way that I journal every day, and I want to share it with you because I believe it's life-changing. If you want to hear from God, I want you to try this. It's an acronym. It's called SOAP, S-O-A-P. And if you've been following Jesus for a while, you may have heard this acronym, but I want to share it anyways because this is life-changing. You can stay connected to God through his word. S stands for scripture. It's not some book you read. It's not some sermon you listen to. Those are good, but those are secondhand experiences with God. You have the opportunity to have a firsthand experience with God whenever you want. All you need is a Bible. So I read, right now I'm reading 1 John. I love that you guys are going through 1 John uh, in your sermon. Uh, I'm going to steal everything Brother David says whenever I go through 1 John when I preach. But I read, I usually don't try to write down a bunch of scripture whenever I'm doing my journaling. I'll read until something really sticks out um, because I believe that the Holy Spirit can prompt things like that. And so like this morning, I wrote down three verses in 1 John 2. And when something sticks out, I, I usually write it down. And then once I write it down, I've read it, I've written it, and then I read it one more time and try to underline the things that really stick out. So, S is is scripture. O stands for observation. This is where you got to use your brain. You got to figure out who, what, when, where, and why. And observation does not mean you take whatever scripture says and you kind of interpret it however you want. Um, There's this really cool thing called authorial intent. It means scripture has a meaning. We don't just take it and make it mean whatever we think it's supposed to mean. You figure out who was the author, who was, who were they writing to, and what did they actually mean by this? And whenever you find the intended meaning in every verse, you are better able to hear from God. So observation is O. A stands for application. How can this change your life? I believe there is power in scripture. It is life-changing. And if you allow it to, it will 
change your life. My 10-year-old Jacob, he does this. He didn't do it every day. I'm trying not to force him to do it, but whenever he does it, here's what he does when he gets to A. He always writes down, this can change my life by, and then he'll think about it for a second. Sometimes he'll come find me and I'll help him look at it. But he's right. He just kind of has the assumption like, oh yeah, when I read this, it's gonna change my life. And I want you having that same mentality. When you read scripture, man, this is gonna change my life. And this is a little bit scary because we get so comfortable. (laughs) But when you follow Jesus, you will never be the same. You gotta take that comfort and say, okay, I'm willing to step out of that comfort zone. You can have comfort or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. So if you wanna stay comfortable, that's fine but you're not gonna, your life is not gonna change. And it's worth it because whenever you step out of your comfort zone and say, okay, I'm willing, God, change my life, he makes you into who he created you to be. And that's the best life is following Jesus. A stands for application. P stands for prayer. This is where you really commune with God. You connect with him. You know, I usually figure out what needs to change when I'm in application. But the prayer is where I surrender. This is the part where you say, okay, God, I know this needs to change. Help me. I'm laying it down at your feet. Prayer is commitment. You know, CNN reported prayer is good for your health. It lowers your blood pressure. Blood pressure. It it brings your anxiety down. Helps you feel like you're not alone. Takes away fear. And those of us who pray, we're like, duh. <laughs> of course it does. You connect with the one who gave, who gave you life. Normally I don't write my prayers down. But when I'm doing my soap every morning, I write my prayer down. Because I love to look back and see how God has worked in my life. This is what you get to do. You connect with God through journaling. And you know what? This isn't the only way. And so if you have a way that you know you can connect with God through his word, do it. It's so worth it. Let his word change who you are. Make you who he meant for you to be. Now you may be someone who says, okay, I hear you talking about the Bible. I don't really understand the Bible. And I've never actually connected with Jesus. If you are willing to say that, First of all, just let me say thank you. Because there's a lot of people who fake a relationship with Jesus. They say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But they don't actually know Jesus. They don't know what he says in his word. They don't have a real relationship where God changes their life. And, And can I just share, it's really hard to connect with God for the very first time. And here's why. You start off your life disconnected from him. There's this huge separation that exists. If you say, I've been a Christian all your life, I may challenge you and say, maybe you've never been a Christian. Because the truth is, every single person has this rebellion where we say, this is God's way, but I'm going to go this way. 
He built you for his kingdom, but you're building your own kingdom. That rebellion is just, it's sin. We talk about sin and maybe sometimes we don't even like to talk about sin, but it's so real and it separates. Sin separates you from the love of God. But can I tell you, even though sin separates you from the love of God, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You're separated from his presence, but Jesus, that's why we love Jesus so much. Christians love Jesus because there's this huge gap between me and God. And Jesus is the only way that anyone can have a real relationship with God because we live this life that's full of mistakes, but Jesus lived a perfect life. And we deserve death for our rebellion and our sin. Jesus didn't deserve death, but he went to that cross willingly and died so that you could have a real relationship with God. And so if you've never connected with God, the first step, first thing Jesus said when he opened his mouth in his ministry was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Heaven is at hand. Repent just means I'm going this way my own way, but I'm going to make a 180 and I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. I'm going to believe that he is who he says he is. And I'm going to believe in what he has done for me. Let me tell you, he starts to change your life. You're going to have an opportunity. If you've never done that, you're going to have an opportunity to do that today at the end of the service. So I want you to go ahead and start preparing your heart to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you have experienced that life-changing relationship with Jesus, but something kind of crept in and created distance in your relationship with God. Maybe it's that sin that you want to let go of, but no matter how hard you try, you can't get rid of it. Can I just tell you, there is hope. There is hope in Jesus. Come find me after um, the service. Come find one of our pastors after the service and confess. Because when you bring it out into the light, it loses its power. James, Jesus' brother said, said this in James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you will be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You will stay restless if you live with unconfessed sin. You will not find that rest for your soul. And you may be happy with your distant relationship with Jesus where you go to church and you live your life and everything's okay, but don't you want more than okay? I want more than okay. The Christian life was never meant to be a secondhand experience. And we may fake it really well, but Jesus didn't die for who you pretend to be. He died for the real you with your struggles, with your problems, because he loves you just the way you are. And he loves you too much for you to stay that way. He wants to change your life. Jesus isn't just like a celebrity. <laughs> Jesus is your heavenly father and he wants to have a real relationship with you. One of the early church fathers, Augustine, said this. You, you move us to delight in praising you. It was a prayer. He said, for you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. 
We moved to California. I met my next door neighbor, Billy, and he drove a Tesla, which I thought was really cool because, you know, there's not many Teslas around here. Now there's more, but I also found out that's not nearly the coolest thing he drives because Billy was an F-18 fighter pilot. Uh, he, he flew jets for the Navy. And um, I learned about this really cool thing that they do for jets called aerial refueling. So there's like this huge tanker up in the air and they have a boom that goes from the tanker to the jet and it refuels in the air. And I was like, Billy, why would they do that? And he said, well, that's how we fly over oceans because they take off and they can refuel in the middle of the air. He said, that's how they take off with these huge payloads of weapons is they'll, they'll keep less gas. They'll take off with this huge payload and then they'll refuel in the air. And it's so cool to think. I've never seen it. I'd like to see it maybe someday. It's complicated, right? Did you know there's also another way to refuel? You just land the plane. It's not nearly as sexy, right? But you land the plane. Land the plane. We're so busy running around, trying to do things, staying so busy and kind of staying restless. And Jesus says, come to me, land the plane. Be with Jesus. And you may say, you know what? I don't have time to rest because this world's going to hell. There's people dying every day without Jesus. And that's true. There's, there's 3.1 million people that live in San Diego County where I live. And over 90% of them don't know Jesus. But can I tell you, they don't want this restless life that I live. Nobody's going to buy what you're selling if you're not finding rest with Jesus. Rest is the best place from which to accomplish the mission of Jesus. Anybody here watch the Super Bowl? It happened pretty close to where I live, so I thought that was really cool this year. Rams won. I live about two hours from where the Rams are. You know how many of those players in the Super Bowl pulled an all-nighter before the Super Bowl? None of them. Of course they wouldn't. Because rest is the best place from which to do great things. And that's the same for us. We have this really important mission to accomplish. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations and rest is the best place from which to accomplish the mission of Jesus. And it's not just physical rest. And so, yeah, you need a nap. You need a day. But you need something deeper than that. You need to come to Jesus. Jesus said it really well in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Just listen to this and let it wash over your soul. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Only in Jesus will you find true rest for your soul. You can look all kinds of other places, but you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be restless because you were meant to be with him. Just like that church father prayed, you made us for yourself. He's made us for himself. 
And there's going to be a day when we get to heaven and experience what true rest in him is. But you don't have to wait until heaven. You can find rest in Jesus now. I remember back before we moved, um, all of our stuff was in storage, and David and Laura were so sweet to let us (laughs) come live with them. They were crazy to let us do that. We have four crazy kids. But um, all of our kids kind of just had like a backpack full of stuff. And my daughter, Sophie, who was, she was eight at the time, or I think she was actually six at the time. She came up to me and she said, Dad, nowhere feels like home. And it really hit me. She had said something that was so much more profound than she knew. We act like this is home. We act like we can just get rest here. But there will be a day when we have real, true, spiritual rest in our souls. So land the plane. Because anything God wants to do through you, he first wants to do it in your life. Land the plane. Don't just get physical rest. Get spiritual rest in him. Stay connected to him. Can you imagine what this would do for our community in Lubbock, Texas? If they saw Christians, not as these restless, tired, Bible-thumping people, but as a people who are so secure in their identity because they are connected to Jesus. They're going to look at us and they're going to say, you know what? I want that. Let's live a life connected to Jesus that people want. You don't have to be restless. You can find it in Jesus. Let's pray. Before I pray, I I can't go on with saying today can be the day where you find that connection to Jesus right now. I talked about it earlier, but you will never be able to connect to God except through Jesus. Through confessing that you believe he is who he says he is and he really has died for you and that you really do need him. Timothy Keller says, the only prerequisite for receiving the grace of God is knowing you need it. And so if you're in a place where you know you have a spiritual need for Jesus, today could be the day your life changes for the very first time. We have pastors who are gonna be in the front and uh, there's even other ways to respond in a minute, but right now I just wanna invite you to stand with me. We're gonna pray and you can come. Go ahead and stand up. Lord, thank you so much. I pray you'll give us the courage to take our first step to know Jesus. I pray for those of us who already know you that we would reconnect with you, God. I pray you would give us the courage to confess hidden sin. I pray right now in Jesus' name that Southcrest Baptist Church would be a church that is so committed to their relationship with Jesus that it overwhelms everything else in their lives. May we never be the same because we find rest in you. 
pray for those who are questioning and considering following Jesus, that you would help them to take the first step right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.